What up, RSVPs? It is Jill Monroe. You are live here on KBLA Talk 1580, checking out RSVP with Jill Monroe. I hope you are having a great Tuesday. We have, as always, a lot to talk about. We are about to get into all the trending topics in entertainment, sports, lifestyle, and culture on this wonderful Tuesday afternoon. So, it's actually evening. It's actually evening. So, I hope that you are ready. You got your snacks. You got a libation. You're ready to pop in and get into these topics. Let me get you ready for what we're going to discuss tonight. Because it's a lot, as always. So, we're going to get into NeNe Leakes. She has some opinions. She had an interview that she did with Carlos King. He's a former producer for The Real Housewives of Atlanta, currently producing other shows on other networks like Love and Marriage Huntsville. I believe that's the name of the series. Anyway, he and Lily Nini had a conversation, and Nini thinks that there is another reality star that was pushed ahead of her, and she really should be bigger than. We're going to talk about that. We are going to get into a deadly stabbing that occurred in New York. And the catalyst of it was someone voguing to Beyonce's Renaissance album. We're going to talk about that. We're going to get into the, the most recent Men's Health cover. It's honoring the 50 years of hip-hop. We're going to get into who's on the cover and what they have to say about their health and fitness. I think that you will be interested in that. We're going to talk about former NBA star and podcaster Steven Jackson. He's called out the NBA for some things that Ice Cube has. We're going to talk a little bit about that. And we have a guest tonight a former executive at Nike, Under Armour, a bunch of brands. He's worked on some incredible projects that you probably are familiar with and is responsible for some collaborations that I know you are. We're going to get into that with our guest tonight, Drew Greer, brand arsonist. We'll talk about that in a minute. But before we get into all of that, you know I have a couple of conversation starters that we have to get started with. So if you've been checking out the news the Gucci store, they were saying it's Beverly Hills. It's actually not. It is Century City here in the Los Angeles area. Was hit up by thieves at the Century City Mall. They broke into, well, they didn't break into. They actually walked in the Gucci store, which is situated inside of Bloomingdale's, and cleaned them out and made a smooth getaway. We've been seeing more and more of these snatch and grabs. They've been gaining popularity what can we do about it? You have to remember, too, although I think it's really easy to reach this mark in Gucci, but it's changed as far as what you can be held in jail for, what constitutes a felony as far as stealing. It's $1,000. So anything under that amount is basically a ticket. Not that any of these people got caught, but we'll talk a little bit more about that later. So I mentioned the men's health cover. The cover features Buster Rhymes, he's 51, 50 Cent, he's 48, Method Man at 52, Ludacris, who's 45, Common, who is also 51, and Wiz Khalifa, who's 35. And this issue was in honor of hip-hop's 50th anniversary, 
So, you know, we've been celebrating that all year and having conversations. So their focus was on men's health. 50 Cent had a really interesting revelation in this interview. So we know that since 50 dropped, his body has been a point of emphasis how he works out, how he keeps himself in shape. If you think about the first video for In the Club, he was running on the treadmill. They were bringing him back like Steve Austin in The Six Million Dollar Man. Well, he says the inspiration for being in shape and wanting to keep his body together was actually D'Angelo and his video, How Does It Feel, from back in the day. He said he saw that. He saw how the women went crazy, and that is what inspired him for his lifelong fitness journey. He said people were talking about Brad Pitt and the Brad Pitt line. You know, I guess that's that line that goes down men's stomach or whatever. They were referencing that in, when it came to 50, and he was like, nope, absolutely not. It was all D'Angelo, so shout out to him. Ludacris also mentioned that... For him, part of the reason why he works out so hard is that, you know, he just wants to be in shape when he gets older. He wants to make sure to take care of himself. He says that he still wants to be able to perform when he's 60 or 70 years old. He said someone looked at other artists in their 40s and 50s and they considered it a stigma. And people would say, okay, you're too old to be doing music now. He said, but nobody's taking into account that hip-hop is just now turning 50 years old. We're still in the middle of seeing how hip-hop is growing. And to a degree, there is no more you're too old. So he wants to make sure he can put on an outstanding show for forever. And Method Man mentioned that he started working out to help with his insomnia. He said that he couldn't sleep, so he started going to the gym. And it became an obsession. He said that he had PTSD from growing up in Staten Island. And that, you know, after reaching for the PlayStation, the books, all of those things, he just said he had a lot of energy that he needed to burn off. So he turned to the gym. And, you know, he said he also wants to be sure to break the cycle and the pattern of obesity in the community so shout out to those guys we're in the golden age of hip-hop these are some legends you know Wiz is the youngest of the group suppose his career has only been around for 10 years or so but they're setting the stage so I want to know our good question for the night is do you think that there is an age limit on hip-hop do you think that there is a point where MCs should put the mic down when we come forward we will be chatting it up with our guest, Drew Greer. We're also going to get into NeNe Leakes and what she had to say about Kim Kardashian. And we're going to throw that question at our guest because it surrounds branding. All that and more, you're checking out RSVP with Jill Monroe here on KBLA Talk 1580. Hey, keeping you informed, entertained, and always ahead of the curve. Ahead of the curve. Hey. This is RSVP with Jill Monroe on KBLA Talk 1580. Hey, it's Jill Monroe. You are locked in with RSVP with Jill Monroe here on KBLA Talk 1580. And before we came forward, I mentioned that we have a guest this evening. So joining me tonight is a man named Drew Greer. So Drew and I have known each other for a very long time. We worked together at Nike on some amazing campaigns, some of them involving your favorite, including the late, great Kobe Bryant, lots of Los Angeles legends. Going to get into that. 
that we dealt with. But Drew is an Ohio State University football graduate. Ohio U. Ohio U. Ohio U. Okay, let me not mess that up. Keep that Athens. Got to keep it separate. Keep it correct. I did not mention that you are a Compton native. That's important. Yes, Compton Linwood. Compton, Compton original Linwood wood. in the yeah, house originally. Yes, yes, yes. You got your master's in sports administration and your BS is in environmental health. Right. But you got your master's in sports and administration. From the renowned Ohio University. But yes. Absolutely. You got to keep that yes, in. Yes, yes, And yes. I think you did something else with Ohio State University. With Ohio U. I Ohio play, U. I, play, I just was a football player there. I went to grad school Just there. a little football player. Yeah, just a little, just a little thing. All like Mac. That. You got to say that. All Mac sounds better than all Big Ten. All okay. Mac just sounds okay. like it, it applies after your football career. Still has impact in, 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 from a verbiage sort of standpoint. But, yeah, first male to graduate from college in my family. But, you know, football was my passion and kind of drove a lot of this. So, we're just going to get right to it because okay. we've already started talking. Right. Drew Greer is in the building. Like I said, he worked for Nike, Under Armour, a bunch of other brands. You are probably owing a debt of thanks if you enjoy sneakers, if you enjoy sneaker collaborations with established brand, established artists. You need to thank him <laughs> because he is the person who kicked that off at Nike. And so we're going to talk about all of that. But before we get into that, I want to get into one of my stories for the night, which is surrounding Nene Leakes. Nene Leakes is a former star of The Real Housewives of Atlanta. And she's been off of the show for a few seasons. And she's been doing these interviews with Carlos King, the former producer of the show. And Nene has been sharing her opinions of the current cast, the past, certain things that have happened. So in this interview, Nene shared that in her opinion, the powers that be held her back and that she should be a bigger brand, a bigger deal than Kim Kardashian. She said that her show came out first. It didn't. Keeping up with the Kardashians came out first, but we'll let NeNe rock. And that they were in tandem through a lot of appearances and situations, but that they didn't want to let her shine. So we're going to hear Nene in her own words. And then I want to have a little talk about branding because I think that this is an appropriate topic for you about personal brands and development and that yes. nature. So Love it. You think you should be bigger than Kim Kardashian? Absolutely. If not bigger, right there with her. Uh, I felt like they pushed Kim and they didn't push me. Uh, Kim came on after me. And uh, they opened up every door and every opportunity for her, even putting us together at times and, and making her, you know, much more bigger than me. Um, she had North, obviously. I was at North Baby Shower uh, with her and Kanye, but they pushed Kim to the front and pushed me to the back. And I don't think that was by chance. I think that was the way they wanted it to be. Uh, we were together because um, I was needy and I came out before her and it just kind of looked good for us to be together. That's how I feel. Mm -hmm. um, Chris had a talk show. I co-host with Chris on the talk show. Um, I just think that they made her more successful. And she was able to get opportunities and open walk through doors that they just did not want me to walk through. She did shoe dazzle. I did shoe dazzle around the same time. And uh, they just pushed her stuff 
forward and they were always giving opportunities and one other thing is that uh, whenever we had businesses we it, it felt like we couldn't really show them that much on our show but on their show they all they do is talk about their businesses and all they do is you know talk about lunch and their makeup lines or their clothing lines or their whatever they're doing and I don't feel like we were able to do that as much so um, I just wasn't given the opportunities that she was giving so those are Nini's comments I, I find it interesting and it's had I think Nini's a bit confused about things, but I also think that she doesn't have an understanding of a brand and what it takes to support a brand, even now. Because if you look at the Kardashians and when they launched, Kim had Chris. Kim had Chris behind her as a machine. Chris had already set her sights on certain aspects of direct to consumer products through Bruce. He was a speaker. She had marketed all that. So she knew how to set it up. Also, when you think about the demographics that they were tapping into, Kim was younger. She's going to touch younger women in a different way. I don't know that at that time, the bases that they were tapping, there are some women that might have wanted to emulate Nini's looks or her style but I think more were in line with Kim. She was dating more of the type of guys they probably were more interested in. So as a brand arsonist, as someone who knows how to build brands from the inside out and look at the culture surrounding it and make sure it's authentic, what do you think it takes to, especially in this era, put together a top-tier brand? Well... I mean, from a from a brand sort of perspective, I look at it as there's making juice and there's making sauce, and from making a from sauce standpoint is really building a brand. Me personally, even though it's extended longer, I look at the Kardashians as juice. It's temporary. It's it's pushed. It's it, it, it's not to me. Might me personally, as much substance there, but because of the internet because of uh, social media, because of the, the dynamics and what they built as a brand, as a family, with Bruce, which really starting with Bruce and then working their way out. I mean, for her to do that comparison, their family brand is so much bigger than her. That's going to get encompassed in, in, in itself as well. But to me, it's really about storytelling and, you know, people connecting with the brand and getting the... And then for me, what I gravitate to, again, everybody's different, but having purpose and, you know, something that's really after something. I live empty with a lot of the reality stuff and what goes on there with them because it's... It's not your thing. It's not my thing, but I understand how it, it works and it, it taps into... But to me, it's still temporary. I don't think in 30 years from now we'll be talking about the Kardashians. Really? Personally. We've been talking about them for like 15. True. So we're halfway there, much longer than anyone would have expected. But just like a child star, I think they can go away. I, I mean, I agree with that. But the reason why I asked you that question and I framed it as such is I think about, so one of the hallmarks of your career at Nike was being here in the L.A. market, working on basketball and establishing Kobe's personal brand within that. When you were at Nike, Kobe made the shift from Adidas to Nike, right. and it was at a very controversial time in his right. career. And least. so <laughs> when Kobe first signed with Nike, obviously that was when the uh, rape and sexual assault allegations right. 
came about. And so right away, immediately, we couldn't position him. We couldn't. All-Star Weekend, remember? That was yeah. Weekend. We couldn't do anything with him technically because of what was going on legally. Right. But we still had to figure out a way right. to utilize Kobe Bryant. And what you guys came up with was through community. And it is something that we had seen it before in players like Magic Johnson and what he did in L.A. But what the foundation that was laid out with Kobe here in L.A. was something that L.A. hadn't seen in a while. And he went up. It was grown about in a different way. So I want you to talk a little bit about that time period and how you use the city of L.A. to help build him up as a brand so i mean it was challenging it was exciting we signed kobe um we signed kobe and you know we all-star game in la like things seemed like they were going to be perfect and then the situation sort of came up and it really pushed off of us doing anything with him i was personally calling the Mark Parker, the president, to try to get on. It's like, you know, calm your horses. But it was an exciting time because we had a signature athlete. But the thought process was, and in some ways I I think it kind of helped Kobe, is we wanted to attack the hood. We wanted to go into urban environments in L.A. because we felt they had the most empathy as related to him and would accept him back. And I think in a lot of ways, not that we wanted Kobe to get in the situation he in, that ended up propelling his brand the right way because it was built, you know, in community, in Latino and black, brown and black neighborhood, and then worked its way out. Where internally at Nike, early positioning, even my direct boss, first thing they would think with Kobe was pop. So, do, do you remember we were sitting in a meeting, right? Because Tracy McGrady was also a sneaker free agent that same summer. Right. They both were. And there were talks that both neither you know, could end up at Nike. And so we had a meeting and we listed out what traits and things that we thought that Mm -hmm. we could connect to each athlete. And one of the things that came up was a question of who we thought would be more likely to end up in a complicated situation and something unmentionable. That was one of the things that we threw on the board. And unanimously, we pretty much all said if we have to make a choice of these two, right. you know, we picked Tracy. Right. And then literally about three weeks later, all of this happened. So when you're working through a crisis situation, building a brand, but you wanted to connect it to community, how did you make sure that it was authentic and organic? Um, the, the, the biggest challenge, particularly with Kobe, it's like he lived in Newport. He had no connection to the hood. So having... Knowing L.A., being from L.A. myself, knowing those hot pads on the east side as well as within the heart of the sort of community, have it be Fox Hills Mall, have it be Harold and Bells, or have it be Westchester Basketball Game. We knew those hot spots that would maximize the impact, and, and, and he developed some natural relationships outside of that he didn't have. But it's, it's, it's being true to those culture. I mean, I think that's the problem with a lot of corporations is people in place that know the logistics, but they don't know the cultural side. It's one of the things I wanted to share here. I think in general, corporations undervalue the impact of culture and what it has on their business. Can you talk a little bit more about that? What do you mean that they undervalue it? Do you mean they just use it as a prong or a tentpole to get them through the next sales cycle? 
or do you mean that they don't value anything outside of their established culture? I say all the way around. I'd say starting like now, perfect example of this that we'll see in a, in a couple of weeks here is, you know, 50 years of hip hop. How are they really going to salute a business that has propelled not only the record industry, but also, you know, sneaker and athletic, like the fashion, so many things sort of outside of those those dynamics. But corporations just kind of throw it under <laughs> under the rug, so to speak, that it, it doesn't have great value. It isn't like accounting or any of the others, but as it relates to impact business, it has that, 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 that sort of kind of how digital wasn't supported, but digital originally sort of graduated up. The impact that culture, particularly hip-hop, has had on businesses and for them not to be celebrated, cherished, put on a pedestal, you know, as we go into this this 50th anniversary, is a direct reflection of that, but also from an employee standpoint. To me, a lot of ways, we're, we're expats or international people coming to work in that we operate within this, this, uh, this lily setting but then connect to culture, which where the business is. So you bring up hip hop and one of your early projects, one of your sort of stalemates, I guess, at Nike was bringing to get Rockefeller and Nike together, also Wu-Tang. So can you tell me, walk me a little bit through that process and what that was like being so early as far as the branding and the, that brand marriage or collaboration of hip hop with a sportswear brand. So I'm, I'm, I'm at this, I'm, I'm at, you know, th- this incredible brand Nike and I'm in their archives and being able to, you know, revisit these products that, that, that they weren't maximized and the, the, looking for opportunities to storytell, looking for opportunities to storytell and to be able to, you know, storytell, connect with the consumer I'm trying to find ways to take it to the next level. I'm excited. I got this opportunity. How, how do I do it right? And actually was working with New York retailers. This isn't something I solicited on my own, but they had some of the relationships. Uh, in fact, the, excuse me, the Wu-Tang actually happened, a connection I had at a record label, but the, the thought process was, how do I sell more dunks? We're coming out with an aisle colorway, you know, Wu-Tang colors, the bees, sort of, but it really was an extension of story storytelling and trying to get after connecting with the culture. And that's just how I am, just digging in deeper. It was, it was more than a nine to five. And that's why I go back to the culture piece. They don't value that we have the ability to operate inside, but then we have this cultural sensitivity, presence, instincts that then impact the business, but it's, 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 it's not rewarded or, 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 or recognized um, for, for the impact that it has. So when we come forward, we'll have more with Drew Greer and his thoughts and approaches to brands. We're going to talk to you about a question that Steven Jackson brought up as it relates to the big three and culture. I think it's an important topic that we can get into. We're also going to get into what you're working on now and where those things are taking you because it involves NIL and teaching and a bunch of other things that are really sort of bubbling over right now as far as the culture coming up we'll have news and sports you are checking out rsvp with jill monroe here live on kbla talk 1580. i just gotta make sure it's her and not will
<laughs> you funny, man in black. I can't Listen. get too into it till I know it. <laughs> Listen, but I don't know why you were acting like the men in black sample wasn't a bop with Coco on the hook. The pier coming in black. Either one will do. Either one will do. Compton's for me. a little rougher than Philly, you know what I mean? Listen. Compton's listen, a little rougher than Philly, you know what I mean? I can't. And I was born in Trenton, which is adjacent city. Look, look, look. A little, look. We, little we bubbly. Wanna, little we bubbly. We want to hear about all of that. A little bubbly. You know we what gonna mean? stick it. Can, he wouldn't have hit me. Keep it West Coast. He wouldn't have hit me. Listen. <laughs> it wouldn't have happened. Listen. It wouldn't have to. Tell him CBT Linwood. We ain't having it. Listen. Listen. <laughs> Why everybody from Compton always got to be banging on everybody? <laughs> Do you know what I'm saying? They just got to come through. I, I got a master's know. degree. We just all got it in us. You know, we a little, 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 little Intelligent. Little Easty. Little, little we all got a little Easty. Little East side. Little side of hoodlum yeah, yeah. in you. So before we go into the next topic, I want to ask you, because you were a running back, right? What? And you see what's happening with running backs right now as far as the position being devalued in the NFL. The contracts are getting shorter, less money. What are your thoughts behind that? Um, the running back's a side check right now. <laughs> They're not the main check. It's just, it's just how it works. To me, if I played the position and I was close to this, I would operate and learn the receiver position at a premium level so that I – I had duality to being able to run the ball and multi-purpose. I think the game's going to go where it's going to be positionless like basketball. Oh, so you think football is coming down to that? that yeah, it'll I think just it's be the, the quarterback. Positions. And then you got to be able to play multiple positions and do multiple things seamlessly. You can't catch good for a running back. You need to be able to catch. Okay. <laughs> and I think it's going to become seamless. And yeah, yeah. So, well, in thinking of something like that, right? Because you still have the aspect of, you know, the violence, the CTE, the things with the helmet. Do you think the NFL will be able to retain its crown as the top live sport over the next 10 to 15 years? Um, yeah, I don't think that's going to be, be an issue. I think what they're going to have problems is the global expansion and seeing where it is because the game just doesn't apply everywhere. But just with their schedule, fantasy football, um, um, video games and all of that, it plays into the popularity, so I think they'll be fine. I think where they're going to have issues is somebody ever dies on the field. Okay. And I think that's what they're trying to trying to, trying to to prevent. I think that – and that's why the game changed, because the game used to be primarily running. Passing entered in earlier on because of deaths and things going on because of the violence, and then they changed the strategy. People are complaining now, but with the helmets and the adjustments to the rules, that's, the, the strategy has always been evolving, because if that's the case, none of them cats would have teeth or anything, and it would be, it'd still be leather helmets and da 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 da, da. Okay, okay. So before we get into the next topic and the questions I have for you, I just want to, Quamel, am I jacking it up, Andy? You know, I'm, I've got Quamel, okay, says that the Men in Black song's use of Patrice Russian didn't retain the slap that her song had. So yes. they're siding with you. I, I maintain that she gave it the extra oomph, so it's not too bad. It's not too bad. I snapped my fingers. I, I mean, Will has his up. moments. Like, don't get me wrong. Like, they, he had a couple of cuts, but then it just went bubblegum left. But 
just I'm, like him and Cube and the rest of the guys have transformed off of just the mic and getting into film and other things. I, I am thoroughly impressed. Well, I'm glad you brought up Cube because we're going to talk a little bit about the big three. Steven Jackson and Ice Cube both feel that the NBA is blocking the big three. They feel that they should be more supportive of them because it is home to a lot of former NBA athletes, right. and though they are a competitor of sorts, they feel that there is a way that they could be more supportive. Cube also has come out and said that he's being blocked financially because of investments and TV deals by the NBA. He feels that they took some of their some of his concepts that he established with the big three and that the NBA has utilized them in the All-Star game and some of the things that they have developed with some of the rule changes do you think that the way that they're going about it, you know, talking about, um, let me get Steven Jackson's exact quote, because Steven Jackson says that he is the face of the biggest civil rights movement ever, speaking of the George Floyd incident, mm -hmm. because he was friends with George Floyd, and that um, this is the only profession, um, that the big three is the only black-owned professional league, and we need to come out and support it. I've been with this since year one, and he just wants to see him win. He said there's no reason for the NBA not to support it. Um, he said being the face of the biggest civil rights movement, playing in the NBA, they didn't reach out to him for the Black Lives Matter movement, for the social injustice or inequality. And I suspect that Stephen has a branding problem. I think that sometimes I know that we are in a, be authentic and keep it real, but I also think that people don't understand when they don't match and how how do you feel what you're offering is going to push them forward? How does it benefit them? Because I feel like with everything has to be a mutually beneficial positioning, right? Fave, we don't want favors. I don't want favors. Exactly. favors go away versus so it being rewarded. So mutually worn. beneficial. So I think, first of all, Cube and you know all is love. Business is ruthless. But B, I like that Steven is supporting him and coming from that because typically you don't have that when you have fights. I've, I've had many fights and you don't have that sort of support that's sort of sort of going on. Um, but to be honest with you, I have not, and it gives you a reflection what's going on, I really haven't taken a look at the product at, at sort of the next level. I see the NBA being protective with three-on-three -three going in the Olympics, not that the Olympics means much these days, but with the three-on-three -three going in the Olympics, they just want to don't want to feed him, the, you know, give him too much flame that if they decide to really make a better effort from a three on three sort of standpoint, they're trying to unfinish stuff or trying to, you know, being forced to sort of partner, partner with them. So what is something, because you have worked as far as branding in various capacities from strategy to execution, long-term creation, um, building things out of there. What is something that is an industry standard that's common to you, but would be surprising to the general public? To me, this goes back to the culture. I mean, we mean for the general public, go back. Just, you know, someone, I'm someone, and all I know about Nike is I go buy them in the store and it's just do it. What is something that is an industry standard as far as brand marketing or? I don't really think there's any standards, but I think people just think the magic just happens. And there's so many things like, you know, why did brand Jordan work? Unique player. 
you know, finally the you know forward guard position getting more notoriety than the than than the um, the center position, the big man, athletic moments, great you know winning championships, innovative product, great storytelling. There's like like one thing. Like if you look at the signature model, Mike's the only one that's really worked consistently. Now Kobe's is starting to creep up, but during his heyday, he didn't even really sort of sell but it it, it it takes all of that as part of the magic to make you no know, from the colorway to the design to the storytelling to the launch to the part there's so many dynamics and what we talk about is putting the right product in the right place at the right time in the right amount where people just think things sort of sort of happen if you put too much out you know the super cool kid doesn't want it you don't put enough out people are left chasing um, so you just have to have a strategy against your products, but it, it's more than just the, the, the athlete themselves. When we come forward, I'm going to get into some more branding questions with Drew, set up some scenarios. I have something else that I want to ask you about. We're going to talk a little bit about what you're doing now with NIL and some other things. And, of course, we're going to get into more of these trending topics and headlines. You are checking out RSVP with Jill Monroe here on KBLA Talk 1580. Back to more captivating conversation on RSVP with Jill Monroe. Monroe. You are locked in with Jill Monroe here on KBLA Talk 1580. We are talking with Drew Greer, brand arsonist, founder of the storytelling agency Brand I Am, an NIL specialist, keynote speaker, and writer. So talk to me about Brand I Am and why storytelling is so important, especially where we are right now as far as... Just the digital, I mean, storytelling's always been, you know, extremely important. We didn't really label it that way or put it in a category, but that was really engaging. So, like, I personally have a love for documentaries and real real stories sort of going on. But with the digital platforms and all these different touch points and, you know, people seeking sort of, you know, it's either authentic, you know, great piece, I want to engage and buy into that, or it's commodity, it's one or the other, and... The consumer having so much more control now, that storytelling could be the difference in engaging with a consumer for a lifetime journey where they're, you know, they're part of the brand and what you're about. Or, you know, it's, it's kind of our company looks at it from a juice and sauce. Juice is temporary. It comes and goes. It's like lemonade where sauce is sticky and it sticks and has purpose and those dynamics. And I just think storytelling gives you the opportunity to do that, and it, it validates you. You build trust, you build engagement, you know, all those sort of dynamics. And you can do it at every touch point. It could be in the packaging, it can be you know, in a commercial, it can be on the site, and people cross check to see where you where you are. They want to make sure that you're, you're you're real. Who's a person or a brand you think could use a makeover? Or a rebranding, so to speak, right now. <laughs> well, just give me give me one or two, we and tell me here. a little bit about what you would do. We we we, we could be here all day. Won't you give me a brand let's that you see. think, of and I'll give you my perspective versus um, it coming from me because I'm I'm a little just. Let's see, let's see. I I want to James Harden. Um. He's clearly just come off like from from a sort of selfish standpoint. For, as a player, just as an athlete, as an athlete, he needs to get in shape. That's just my perspective, just from a, from a leaning standpoint. But to me, I would have gone back to Houston and made drive that back because it seems like now after all the teams he with, there, there's no loyalty and he's just chasing the check. And we know how that sort of worked out. You see, 
even though Shaq's done well, imagine what he could have done if he'd stayed a Laker and partnered with better brands versus kind of jumping all over. You, you see a bunch of little snowballs versus one big snowball, and that's that's the advantage Mike has had. You know, the partnership primarily, most of his career with Chicago, but Nike and that sort of deal is his level of consistency versus look at others that sort of jump, jump around. Um, the, the, that's the, 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 the first first thing I would, 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 would look at. But if you look at the decisions he's made all the way around, it's just been tough. Even from an Audi partnering with them, they don't do much sort of storytelling. But he's been with four or five teams, and he's trying to get out, you know, of, of, of sort of the team now. Um, it's too late. It's too late? You think so? Okay. What about John ja Morant? I actually – I wrote a plan already on Ja, so you hit me in front like – like I had a whole concept called Point Jaw because I got close to being able to present a concept to him. I think the moves they made by bringing in veteran leadership was a start. I think personally, him he need to get out of Memphis because Memphis is just a wild <laughs> town to keep it keep it one hundred. And I think his talents are bigger than from a Memphis. I think Tracy suffered from the same thing. McGrady being in in, in Orlando. So first thing with him, I'd be lo- relocating. Other thing, I you know, his dad seems like he's a little bit too much in the front row and needs to there needs to be a little bit sort of sort of separation um as it relates to those sort of dynamics but what i do like is primarily they keep it on the court unlike the balls that got to talking about sort of other things versus the ball brothers not balls but ball brothers <laughs> pause <laughs> but no, no 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 i'm just playing with the pause thing i mean you know i feel the same way about i had this conversation recently about LeVar Ball and where I feel like he went wrong. I feel that because he didn't bring someone in with them that understood the shoe business, he really fumbled that aspect because they had a lane, they had people that were excited for that independent thing. They didn't do any wear testing. They didn't deliver on their products. But even even they kept, he was discussing how much the shoe costs versus the technology. Right. Versus the style of player this kid. But there's just things you set up that like that's part of the storytelling engage talk about the technology talk about the inspiration of the shoe talk about the style of player is you know these sort of dynamics which then engage people in this different points that may trigger different consumers but if you're just talking about yourself and how dope you are you can't even deliver (laughs) i mean it just you know the jokes are coming and then he created such anticipation for his son. Everybody, that's why he's part of the reason he's hurt is he's wearing BS shoes as well as as soon as he came to town, everybody was gearing up to, you know, from Beverly to, Owen to him, give, yeah. it, give at it because of all these checks that his dad is, you know, put him in, in, in position to have to cash. So kind of along those lines, we see that media is changing quite a bit, especially as it relates to sports, right? Um Do you think that the influx of athletes and media via podcasts and these different levels, you know, live streams, do you think that it is hurting the major media markets up top? And do you think that these brands that are being established sort of on this micro level are sustainable? Um, I guess the best example I use, it's like to me, Vegas is dated. And Vegas is dated because if I still pull out my cell phone while I'm in Vegas, Vegas isn't doing what it needs to do. 
And that's the same thing I'd look at from a media sort of standpoint. It's these smaller guys are just going to make these other guys better, and that's what's needed. Like, elevate their game because you are getting better commentators. That's hiring more, whatever that angle is. I don't know mm-hmm. what that, that that chemistry is, but I think it's, it's it's making. I mean, you've just seen it recently at ESPN. They're going younger. They're looking for hybrid, looking for more personalities versus just are they a really GMC. going younger though? Because to me, Mark Jackson, those sort of got no style. Just straight basketball guys. He's burly now, not in shape, not fly. Um, what was uh, his coach's name? I'm blanking out. Jeff Van Gundy. Uh, Jeff Van Gundy. You know what I mean? Just stale, no stuff. Like that's not gonna work today. Like I like I, I can go to a textbook. I can go to Wikipedia and get that. I, I I need somebody that understands the culture, understands the game. Gilbert Arena said the same thing. He said that that's why. And Kenyon Martin, they were talking about it on Gil's Arena. They said that their types that are more authentic are real. He gave the example. Why are they wearing suits to cover a game? He was like, I don't want to hear that because it makes them look more professional. It doesn't match with the culture. It's not on point at this point. But I was surprised that Jalen got let go. I'm not. Why is that? Um, I think that Jalen has run his time there. I think that Jalen is probably was paid pr- pretty highly. And I think Jalen wanted to shake and move in some ways that may not have been, you know, still available to him at ESPN. And then if you want to go on the, the rumor side, maybe, possibly, maybe, possibly, you know, his ex-wife and Stephen A are good friends. Stephen A is the top dog there. Might be some personal things. Andy, I think you had a comment. First off, um, there's a couple actual announcers that I think uh, have the swag um, that you might, you know, be looking for. Um, I don't know if you're familiar with Brian Custer. He does a lot of boxing. Okay. No. And and uh, I want to say his name is uh, Something Hill. He does a lot of games with Doris Burke. I want to say Mark Hill. I could be wrong. But anyways, those are two individuals. They use a lot of, uh, you know, uh, vernacular that the youngsters use currently. And... Um, yeah, those are the two individuals. I forgot what, what else I was going to say. Also's a big female movement, especially with the sisters and rooks and like it seems like they're really laying the runway for this um black females. It's almost like they're um diversity <laughs> inclusion directors. Yeah. Like there's a new movement sort of coming. I, I don't think it's a bad thing. I just find it's interesting and awkward in some of the interviews, especially when they're extremely attractive and the players are trying to contain themselves. If, what do you mean? You, you think it feels forced like Taylor Rooks or those type of, yeah, I think, you know, I think there's it. always, been I don't think she's forced. On she's dope. Line. I think she does a good job, but I just think it's sort of awkward <laughs> When she's one-on-one with some of the players, you saw the Chris Paul interview. Cut it out. (laughs) I think there's always that dynamic that's going to take place there. I think that there's always going to be that aspect of it because if you go with two, which they have, you know, the less – conventional beauties, shall we say, then they're going to take another type of heat. So I think it's going to be something, no matter which way you size that one up. Andy? I also think, uh, I remember what I was going to say. Um, they're trying to get rid of wokeness. Yeah. So if you think about the the personalities like Jalen Rose, Mark Jackson, uh, those, and Jeff Van Gundy, they kept it too real a lot of the times. That's right. And considering, you know, ESPN is owned by Disney, which is in Florida, Ron right. DeSantis, I think a lot there's a lot of trickle down going on there. Yeah, but Stephen A ain't like 
I don't even I don't even get me started on on, on home. Steven don't even like I mean I like yeah it, it, I I don't like bashing brothers wrestling but just from from an athlete standpoint and the point like it's it's, it's kind of comical just his point of view and his shifts and his, his his own but it's I guess it's working for him but if you ask about what's wrong with ESPN and competing against you know some of the other entities that are out there. Embrace That's debate. That's a perfect example. Is Stephen A. is 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 leading the charge and pulling the strings. Well, when we come forward, we'll have more with Drew Greer. We will also get into our stories for the second hour. News and sports is coming up next. You're listening to RSVP with Jill Monroe here on KBLA Talk 1580.